Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. Last time on Voices for Justice, we discussed a lot, including my suspicion that my father could know more about Alyssa's disappearance than I first thought, a seminar that was planned to discuss my father's possible involvement, letters between my father and the chief of police. We also touched on my father's release from prison and so much more. I want to remind everyone that this podcast is designed to be listened to in order. So if you have not listened to the last episode or previous episodes, I highly recommend you do that, or else it won't make much sense. In this episode, we are discussing my father's release from prison, a confusing discovery I made about Alyssa's case agent being reassigned, and you are going to hear the audio of an in-person meeting I had with my father, the only recorded in-person interview with my father for the past decade. When my father was released from prison in March of 2017, I was not ready. I thought he was going to be promptly arrested on charges related to Alyssa upon his release. And soon you'll hear that he believed the same thing. I didn't really think through what life would be like with him being a free man. And then it happened. I was told that he would be on supervised probation for three years and would be monitored closely. I even spoke with his probation officer. I stressed that I believe that my father is a very dangerous man, and I feel that his probation officer took it very seriously. This probation officer would eventually move on to a different position in law enforcement, but informed me that due to his relationship he created with my father, and due to the severity of his charges, he would actually continue to be his probation officer despite this change in position. But probation or not, My father was now located about 10 miles from my home, and since we spent so many years exchanging letters, he knows exactly where I live. But at this time, I wasn't really scared for my own safety. I hadn't started my media campaign the police would send me on later in 2017, and there was barely anything out about Alyssa at that time, with the ABC 2020 episode still being the largest piece of media for her case. I think another reason I wasn't afraid was because I knew almost nothing of my father's history or Alyssa's case compared to what I know today. In the last episode, we discussed an email between me and Detective Summershoe in which I offered to wear a wire and speak to my father, but he refused, stating that my father had enacted his right to remain silent, meaning that they could not send me in and record on their behalf. However, he did state, quote, If your father in the future ever makes any incriminating statements to you, I hope you would let me know. So, on October 17th, 2017, I sent an email to the detective on Alyssa's case, Kimberly Cooper, and I copied Detective Summershoe. It reads Hello, I just wanted to let you both know that I am setting up a meeting with my father, and I plan to ask him what happened to Alyssa. Please let me know if you would like to set up a time to discuss the results. Best, Sarah Turney. End quote. I received 
no response. At this point, I proceeded to call my father to set up the meeting. I expected this call to be brief. I would tell him that I wanted to speak with him in person, to look him in the eyes, and ask all of my questions about what happened to Alyssa. But of course, that's not the way it happened at all. And I had nothing to capture the audio of what would become a long phone call with my father. But I did take notes. It was as if nothing had happened, as if I did not confront him with my belief that he may have something to do with my sister being gone. He immediately began rambling on a variety of subjects. He compared the death of my mother to the recent death of one of my dogs. He stated that he wasn't sure if he had any recorded video from the day Alyssa went missing. He insisted that I should rely only on my memories, not those of anyone else. He thanked me for caring about Alyssa and stressed that we both needed to continue working on her case. He said that the police never once asked him for an interview or to take a polygraph. He went on and on about how the Clintons helped elect the judge in his bomb case. He spoke badly about Detective Anderson again, and then we discussed the bombs. Call me stupid, but at this time, I did not think he planned on going through with his plot to bomb the Union. But after what he said to me on this call, that doubt was erased. I told him that the Union had put up bulletproof glass and flyers with his picture on them in response to his release from prison, and that people were genuinely afraid of him. And he laughed. Not just a little, but a lot. I insisted that it was not funny, and he proceeded to tell me that he was going to blow up that building and two others, and that he had planned to do the same thing back in 2003. One of the detectives on Alyssa's case once told me that what made him suspect my father was speaking to my father. And this was truly an incident of just that. Eventually, the phone call ended and we made a date to meet at a Starbucks in downtown Phoenix on October 22nd, 2017. But before that meeting, I attended the Missing in Arizona event just one day prior, on October 21st. This event was hosted by the Phoenix Police Department, with a lot of coordination specifically by Detective Summershoe. The event was designed to collect new reports of missing persons, as well as to provide resources to families of the missing. When I arrived, I was so excited to see Detective Summershoe, and he suggested that I attend a group counseling session for families of the missing scheduled for a little bit later in the event, and I agreed. As I walked around the event, I saw Detective Anderson, and again, I was so happy. Honestly, I felt like I could burst into tears. He was now working on cases involving sexual crimes online. At that time, I was working with children in foster care. So I explained to him the case of one child that ran away that I was very concerned had been sex trafficked. I also apologized for being bratty while defending my father so many years prior. He joked and asked if I still planned on suing the police department for the emotional stress of losing my dog. And we shared a good laugh. I explained that I was going to meet with my father the next day, and we began to discuss Alyssa's case at length. He told me about my father's duplicate truck and proceeded to recite the details of Alyssa's case from memory. He knew, and I imagine he still knows the case inside and out, 
and I could tell that he really cared about getting a resolution for her. But the time had come for me to go upstairs to the family therapy group. And this is when Detective Summershoe introduced me to the sisters of two missing children, Brandy Myers, who went missing in 1992, and Mikkel Biggs, who was abducted in 1999. And quickly, much to my surprise, I discovered that Detective Summershoe was actually still assigned to their sisters' cases. You might recall from the last episode that in relation to not working on Alyssa's case any longer, Detective Summershoe stated, quote, The cold case unit, myself and another detective, were folded back into response, dealing with new cases. This happened for both cold case homicide and missing persons. New cases are assigned alphabetically by the missing person's last name. And I inherited a case queue near the beginning of the alphabet. End quote. So, it appeared that Detective Summershoe did retain at least some of his cases, but for whatever reason, he did not retain Alyssa's. After the group session, I went back downstairs to continue my discussion with Detective Anderson. There was a candlelight vigil, and then I left. But after speaking with Detective Anderson for so long and feeling his energy and passion for Alyssa's case, I felt more ready than ever to confront my father. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by June's Journey. I'm pretty sure everyone here loves a good mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. You get to step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. So what does that mean? Well, June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game. Essentially, you find hidden clues and uncover this mystery. But it's also more than that. You can customize your own luxurious estate island, you can join a detective club, and put your skills to the test in a detective league. I like that you can play totally alone, or if you want to play with other people, you can do that too. I find myself playing June's Journey in little breaks during the day, or most frequently at night before I go to bed. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just looking for an escape, I really do recommend June's Journey. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode of Voices for Justice is brought to you by Quince. The weather is getting warmer, which means it's time to put away all the sweaters and pants and say hello to shorts and t-shirts. I absolutely was looking to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and I went right back to Quince for that. I personally don't love trendy clothes that I have to replace every few months. I am looking to build my solid core collection of essentials, and with the huge selection at Quince, I can do that. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from 30 bucks, washable silk tops, they have jewelry, and so much more. One thing I really love about Quince too is that they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. And they only use premium fabrics and finishes, so you're not cutting any corners when it comes to quality. I've really been trying to play with pairing casual with more upscale pieces. So recently I just matched a silk skirt with this black tee that I just love and fits really, really well. I think it came together pretty cute. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash justice for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash justice to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash justice. It's important to note that although I had spoken to him on the phone about my feelings, This in-person meeting would be the first time I spoke with him about it face-to-face. It was also the first time in almost 10 years that our conversation was not being monitored in some fashion by the prison he was being housed in. But before I play the audio of this meeting, I'd like to preface a few things. First, Arizona is a one-party consent state in relation to recording audio meaning that you can legally record someone without informing them beforehand. And ironically enough, my father actually taught me that. Second, this meeting was about an hour and a half long, so it will be split into two episodes. Third, this was recorded using voice memo on an iPhone 5. And for the first 60 seconds or so of our conversation, my phone was not placed ideally and the audio is not as clear as I'd like. However, my father jumps right into talking about the accusations and his use of lie, so I quickly jump up to get my coffee before being able to proceed, and when I get back, I readjust my phone, so after that minute or so, the audio is much better. But that being said, I still suggest using headphones while you listen to this conversation. This conversation takes place on the patio of a Starbucks in a busy part of downtown Phoenix, and we're also next to the drive-thru, so you will hear the noise of Starbucks, vehicles passing by, and my father playing with his coffee cup almost nonstop. This is real audio, grabbed from my phone in the moment. I had no idea what I ultimately wanted to do with this audio beyond giving it to the police. So again, It's not professional quality, but it's real, and it's audible. And due to the content of the conversation, I believe it is one of the most vital pieces of evidence in Alyssa's case. To my knowledge, he has never previously or since spoken so candidly about the case or Alyssa in general. Fourth, this conversation takes place before I had ever seen Alyssa's case file. So at this point, If you have listened to every episode of this podcast, you know more about Alyssa's case than I do when I speak to my father on this day. And last, there are some names and medical items that I edited out. But other than those very small omissions, you will hear our conversation in full. From me leaving my car where my boyfriend watched and waited diligently out of fear for my safety to me ordering my coffee and eventually leaving the conversation. I could slice and dice this audio all day to present the most insane statements, but that is not what this podcast is about. It is about laying out all of the facts, details, and information as I have them. So without further delay, here is the only in-person interview with my father in over a decade. Love you. Love you. 
told me that James wanted your number. This is blocked. At least you didn't block your phone number. Oh, he blocked it? Yeah. Did he, like, call you and hang up? And No, he was. He called me and was restricted. Oh, so. uh, well, he just... Oh, I get you. I got you. a restricted phone yeah. number. I don't know. Maybe he put it on there for himself. Mike said he was going to put one on his because of all the phone calls he was getting for it. I just talked to Mike a few minutes ago. He just... Relating to what they're upset with, that uh, they don't have some of their children to play catch with. That's what they're expecting my dad when they were kids. No. I'm not. It's just hard to believe in my own children would actually believe that I would kill one of my own kids. No. That's the only thing that's really. I thought you guys knew me better than that. One opportunity I had to kill somebody that I probably could kill now. And I thought about that split second when I chose not to kill him after he shot his wife or my brother. 
Only because he was killed. Not within my demeanor. Killing other people? You learn that in the military. Okay. But Alyssa? You guys got it all wrong. Why are there so many things you didn't tell us? Look, sir, we went through this before. I don't have the answer for all the James except about. He saw me with two bags. Somebody said they saw me with two bags of lime in the back of the truck. I've always had lime, so. I don't. Um, I told you that when you said you had an ant problem. I said you can get green light or whatever it's called, or you can just get a bag of lime. Hold on, I'm gonna need my coffee for this. Let me grab my coffee. I'll be right back. Oh shit! Exit only. I'll be right back. No, it's fine. I just, it's fine. I just need my coffee. something interesting yesterday. What's that? That you had some type of duplicate truck. I had what? You had two trucks. You had two GMC Sierras. One was one was one year newer than the other. Really? Now that's a new one to me. Well, that's Where's it at? I could use it now. We traded for a nice motorized bicycle. Well, apparently you sold it, but they found it in Nevada or something. It's something about Rhett trying to steal you plates. Well, that's probably true about Red Steel replace he and his boyfriend. So you didn't have another truck? No. You only had the one white truck? That's all I had. You were there when I bought it. I know. (laughs) But now I think, like, why'd you sell the green truck so quick? The Frog? It was like the Toyota Tacoma, the one that looked plastic. It looked like a matchbox. Probably because of the amount of mileage I was going to put on it, and I didn't think that Nissan could handle it. It was starting to fall apart, and I had a lot of miles to cover. That thing was new. That was like our only new vehicle ever, besides the GMC. It was our first new vehicle. Ah, sir, we bought a brand new Toyota. We bought a brand new Dodge truck. We bought another Dodge truck. The old uh, brown Dodge truck? No, these were brand new stuff. I mean, I bought a lot of new vehicles. I bought like five of them. Well, when I was a kid, it was like the CRX and like, we had some crappy vehicles, which was fine. We had a vehicle, like who cares, but. It, when I got the CRX, what was that? That was the. The CRX, the one you bought from John, the one where I had a fishing seat in the back. With the what? You installed a fishing seat. It was like a boat seat. Oh, that, I didn't, yeah, that's how we bought from Joe. Yeah, that was yeah. a piece of shit. Which, like I'm saying, it's fine. It doesn't matter. I just, I just remember that green truck being one of our, one of the first only new vehicles that we had, besides your GMC Sierra. That's all I'm saying. Your mom and I bought a new Toyota. Of course, you were just... But I was too young for that stuff. You know what I mean? Like We bought the new van. Okay. No, but when I was a kid, like my so timeline. you just learned that I had a new vehicle. That's what somebody told me, so that's why I'm asking. What am I supposed to do? Not ask? Just, you know, ask what you want. What this meeting's about. You ask what you want. If it'll do you some good, that's all I give a rat's ass about. I don't care. Well, like you, I didn't want to come here. 
I don't want to look at my daughter who thinks I'm the biggest monster on the planet. It doesn't make me feel any better. Well, it doesn't make me feel any better. But that everybody's like nervous for me to come here, and I'm like, it's fine. I'm not scared. Scared of what? Me? Yeah, I'm not scared of you. Sir, if you were shooting at me, I couldn't shoot back at you. I'm just I saying. Love you. You're my daughter. Well, I know, and I don't. Yes, and I don't think you'd hurt me. I told him that I wish he would. I wish he would, so he'd get caught. Get caught. Yes. What am I supposed to do? It looks really bad. It looks super suspicious. It does. Human behavior always looks suspicious, Sarah. That's the difference between good investigations and poor ones. The CNN ran with a bunch of information that came from those two assholes that were that fabricated a search, an affidavit for a search warrant so they could search the house. I, I'm not even not talking about Not because they think they were going to find anything. He knew he wasn't going to find anything. I gave him everything I had. He did that because he, he was pissed off because I told him, you know what? I thought you two guys were maybe the new breed of Phoenix police officers. But you're, you're a bunch of lying out. You're, you're sitting here running around in rabbit hole chasing shit. And you're looking in the wrong direction shit for brains. You know how much time they spent with Paul Abbott, Sarah? And he was cleared. He wasn't cleared. Yes, he was. Who gave Alyssa the ride to California, Sarah? No one, because she didn't take her money. She didn't make it to California. Oh. Or she did, not alive. Okay, then who made the phone call? Was that just a ghost? I can't tell you who made the phone call, but I bet you it wasn't Alyssa. You already bought all that stuff, didn't you? Dad, what am I supposed to believe? Well, I assume you look at the facts then. Then you gotta go back to the other one, sir. Somehow I coerced your sister into writing this runaway note. No, you didn't. No, the runaway note's from a whole different day, from a whole different conversation. Dad, when you dropped me off at school today, I decided I really am going to run away. That wouldn't make sense if you picked her up and took her out for lunch. Why would she make that decision at school that day? Why wouldn't she make it after our argument at lunch? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Do you know why I picked her up, Sarah? Do you really know why? Why? Because she was breaking up with John. She was seeing Mike. That's what one of the videos of was her making out with Mike. That's why she popped her head into John's class and said, bye, see you later. Before she left? Maybe John's lying, Sarah. Why did she give me the necklace and ask me to break up with the son of a bitch when I told her, listen, I'll stand there with you. But you need to learn to not be afraid just because he's got a bad temper or his dad threatens to shoot everybody. That's the way my damn brother is. You don't have to put up with his shit. Did you go talk to any of her friends? Of who? Her friends that she knew at school. Not those other idiots. The ones that she talked to at school. Did you go talk to them? Like who? She didn't have a lot of friends at PB. Like Jake or like Chris Ridenauer. It was about 11 or 12 people, I think. it was. Maybe it was longer than that, that signed her yearbook, Sarah. I got their phone up. In fact, John's the one that wrote down the list. Well, it would be lovely if I had her yearbook, but those aren't things we have anymore. Where are they? The police have them. Okay. Well, I went through and went and talked to them. And the biggest thing they were upset with was how John talked down to her. 
and said that Alyssa was tired of him. Okay, so do you think it was Paul? Do you think it was John? Do you think it was this guy, Mike? What's your theory? Mike's dead. His mother said he died of some kind of stomach problems whenever oh. I started looking to see if he knew what was going on. Oh. I was at the time looking for someone who gave her the ride. Okay? That was Alyssa that called. Whether you guys want to believe it or not, I don't really give a shit. I know what she was. I mean, I was really tired and exhausted and may have done the stupid thing by getting up and running down to the corner thinking she was down at the corner because that's what's fixed in my mind. And then asshole shit for brains, Lyle calls the morning like he usually does about the same damn time and left a message. Therefore, Star 69 is not going to work. But it might not even work anyway because it turned out to be a long distance phone call. I'm pretty sure it works long distance. You would know that. I don't know, Sarah. I don't really remember all the super details, but I do remember that they're called. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are you guys looking for? Is this another one of those family things where if I confess to doing something that I didn't do, somehow that's going to resolve the family uh, breakup? You guys fight with each other over other stuff, too, not just me. It wouldn't bring the family together, but it would heal us individually, for sure. And then there'd be an end. What exactly are you looking for, Sarah? Nothing. I don't expect anything from you. Literally please, this please tell much. me. What, just like when James, he was him hawing around and around and around of this and all. Like I said, wait a minute, James. Enough is enough. What are you getting? Just come straight forward with this, all, please. It's much easier than this. You beating around the bush thing. I already told you what I think. Okay. But I couldn't live my life. You're getting older, and if you pass and something happens to you, whatever, I couldn't live my life knowing I didn't look you in the eye and tell you. Okay. Well, that's good. Then what, what you really need to do, then, is to make a date. Because hopefully, and I hope this is the truth, that I don't have to live through any of my children dying or anybody else disappearing. Okay? I mean, that's enough from one lifetime. Okay? Or have a wife 11 years younger than me die. Be there at the deathbed, sir, and I'll give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Why don't you give them to me now? Because you got them now. Then why are you making me this offer to go to your deathbed? <laughs> I don't know, Sarah. What are you looking for? <laughs> I don't really think you fully understood the way your sister really was. You think your sister would have put up with me molesting her, Sarah? Probably. Bullshit. If she was scared and bullied and... If she would have thought for one minute that I had done something to you, she would have definitely gotten my face. She would have gone to the back. Just like you said, she would have slipped my throat. I know, but you didn't do anything to me, so she didn't. How would she know that, Sarah? We I spent, would have told her. We spent time alone, didn't we? Because I was taught to be honest, and I was and honest. I was lurking in the corner, getting ready to molest anything that walked by, including chickens. Did the dog say anything? I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I'm just really. I mean, I expect people to be the way they are because that's just the way people are. People would prefer to believe a rumor in the window than a lie any day of the week, sir, than they would the facts. Believe me, I've. As a citizen, as a police officer, as everything else, I have seen all of this stuff in my lifetime. And sit back and watch the whole crowd was totally convinced of something. The whole society, the news media, everybody was convinced that this was exactly what it was. And then as time went by, it came back around and they went, 
Oh shit, I guess we were wrong on that one. Well, I hope that's what happens. Well then how do we resolve the current situation? I mean, I'm, I just, when I talked to James, he said something about, well, you'll never be able to play catch with and she's really talented and all that stuff. And I said, well, you're starting out the right thing, James. At least she made contact. He said, oh, this is not a own conversation, open up relationship with us. I said, then why did you make it? If you've already reached your own conclusions, and I can tell you this much right now, Sarah, if I believe what you believe would be, and I raised you to be intelligent, I raised you to make good decisions, and most of the time you were born making good decisions. You were a good kid, whether you want to believe it or not. You make a real rational, reasonable kind of person, very intelligent. I wouldn't even want to talk to anyone like me. You're not supposed to. You were raised not to. So what in the hell are you doing? That's not a reason to justify. That's not a, a plead for your innocence back that I'm talking to you. Like I said, I couldn't live with myself without looking in the eye. Cause I don't you wanna... think I could live with myself if I did something? I feel so bad because I ran your sister off, Sarah. And you want to know one of the real reasons, the reasons why she was, Sarah? Because she was sick of me. And she said, exploiting her inability to do her schoolwork. Uh, all the, the heat and, the, and people, teachers talking to her and saying things, now your dad stirs more shit about the Ames test because you think you're special, you're not gonna have to take it. Yeah, honey, don't worry about it. Your daddy's gonna make sure of this. She was sick of that. She didn't want to testify. She wouldn't even give me a statement that I needed against the Deer Valley School District or what the hell they did to her ass. Yeah, because they made her ride the short bus. She didn't want any of that. Yes, shit. they made her ride the Purple bus, yes, exactly right. You don't think she was sick to death of me over that shit? Yes, she was, Sarah. That was years. And the one thing I didn't that want That short her to bus do. was years before she left. Whatever. It, it's years and years of stuff of whatever I did wrong, thinking I was protecting my most weakest child because we had a damn school district that loved to kick them out and meeting with parents and bringing in your sister. And I kept asking those idiots to evaluate and they kept saying, well, she can't be learning to save because she's not a behavioral problem. I said, you know, is there, is there somebody just stuck on stupid in this room or is it just me? Did you people read those advice? Maybe you should read something other than what American doctors wrote. Okay? ADDs usually are not behavioral problems. They just have a short-term memory, an underdeveloped frontal lobe. That's what their conclusions are. Germany, France, Canada. I researched the shit out of it because I kept giving information to them. Many of the teachers took it, but the other assholes didn't. They kept saying, well, she should have been a behavioral problem. She's suppressed. She's suppressed because she's tired of people thinking that she's a loony tune. Well, she grew up thinking she was stupid and that she needed extra help, so how'd you expect her to grow well, into an adult? Well, I can't do anything about what her siblings did to her any more than I could have done what the siblings did to my first wife. There's nothing you can do about it. We them. all bully each other. Alyssa, Alyssa did some of the stupidest things on the planet. She talked to her little sister and they're jumping off of the house onto a trampoline. She climbed the highest branch she could get. Your mother would come outside and just literally, which your mother rarely ever got excited, she thought she was going to have a coronary because That's Alyssa kids. was in a top Kids are branch. inquisitive. Kids do that kind Peeing of shit. in a cup and giving it to some other child because somebody else tells you to do that kind of shit. That went on and on. Taking all of my medication. Jesus Christ, Sarah, she took 22. 22 halcyons. So why wasn't it locked up? You have because six kids I was in the stupid. House. She was a teenager then, for Christ. What was she, 16, 17? 
you in there taking him with that mic friend Rhett took him home? I mean, everybody keeps forgetting the damn dumb things that she kept doing over and over again. What does that have to do with anything? Then you tell me one thing. I want you to look me in the eye and tell me one thing. Give me one good reason why. And you, you really believe that I killed your sister. Yeah. Tell me. Why would I kill her? To keep her quiet. About what? The sexual molestation. Oh, jeez. And everything else. And everything else? What yes. everything else? The overbearing, the surveillance, the contracts, the rules. The surveillance. <laughs> Do you not remember me asking you to take the camera out of the vent and then you gave me the camera detector? If that was for the safety of your family because our RV got stolen, why would that end when Alyssa left? It didn't end when Alyssa left. Then why were you so lax with the cameras moved? and then I had the cameras in my room because you moved me to the master? Because you started thinking and being paranoid of, I don't want you watching me all the time, Dad. And I said, fine, Sarah, you put them in your room then. Mm -hmm. Because you need to do the surveillance because of the fact we have had a lot of vandalism. We have okay, had a lot you, of things You're trusting a 13-year-old to do that surveillance for you? I don't know, Sarah. You mean my stupidity of trusting my daughter who I thought had more common sense than I, I did? You asked, and I'm giving you your answers. Right. And I'm trying to give you an answer back for something that doesn't make it. You're trying to tear me apart for the simple sake of arguing. No, I need to look you in the face to get these answers. So I'm not hearing it from the news. So I'm not hearing it from detectives. I'm not hearing it from Mike or Don or whoever. So, Sarah, I snapped in 1993. I was never the same after that. I know Everybody this. knows. We don't need to go back that far. Let's... Oh, hell, we do. We need to go back as far as you possibly want to go back because the fact that one of the few people that really understood that I was having problems, that's why she would drive you some places once in a while, even though she didn't have a driver's license. Because Alyssa, from time to time, would see me sitting there literally staring at the walls, watching the movie that I've watched 15 times in a row and ruling, and she would feel sorry for me. She'd come up and give me a hug and say, Dad, I'm really sorry you're feeling bad. Okay? Nobody else was doing that. Did I not do the same thing when you got old? When I got older? To an age where I could recognize that and bring you your meals in bed? Did I not do that? You brought me meals in bed? Yes. I don't remember that. Okay. Cool. I remember being sick. I probably been sick sometimes because I was getting sick a lot. But I don't remember meals getting brought in bed. Because you'd always leave your stuff in the microwave until I'd come bring it. Because most of the time I got up and cooked the meals. You know, usually we had chicken and fish. That was the only two things I cooked most of all of the hamburger. But I, didn't, I don't like American hamburger. It's got too much junk in it. I don't know, sir. I don't have an answer for all the issues. But, you know, I just... Maybe time will heal it. Maybe it won't heal it. I don't know. What I am glad, though, is that my, all of my children seem to be successful. As far as the... Drudgery, the memories and stuff. The best thing I ever gave my oldest sister was when I told her, Norma, you've done all you can for our mother. You've forfeited a lot of your life. You've lived with her and all the other kind of stuff. She keeps feeding you the memories that keep causing you to have all of these horrible nightmares and bad times and everything else. It's time for you to get away from our mother. She'll be fine. She'll make it. Trust me. She's a survivor. She will survive. You don't have to sit there with her and continuously battle with your memories about it. Especially after we lost our sister because of false memories and planning into her to a point she believes she had a repenting sign. You need to trust your memory what you saw. You I didn't see anything that's the problem. 
And if you don't say anything, maybe there's something to that. What about your older son seeing things because they were older and not children? And which older son? You mean James? No, don't Rhett. mean James. What did Red say? Red didn't say anything. He was so screwed up on drugs. I How just about thought, Mike? How about Mike? What's his excuse? What, what did he say? That's for you and Mike to talk about. Well, he hasn't brought it up yet. I asked him before if he's seen anything. Please let me know because maybe I perceive one day I've turned in a job from Dr. Jekyll from Mr. Hyde. Or however it went the other way around. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Who knows? I know many, many, many times. I cannot tell you how many times I walked your sister. Walked your sister around because she would get into somebody's medication or somebody would give them, especially those assholes next door who kept giving her that one joke. What was his name? Whatever it was, the one kid next door that kept giving your sister stuff to her bomb. Yes. And your sister would come just totally hurting that one day was sitting there with their eyes twirling around the room. I said, What the hell's going on now? And over because she was a little concerned about her son and she hides her son, afraid I'm gonna kill him. Like my sister held with Jeff, afraid I was gonna kill him. Kill anybody over that shit, but I definitely sure wanted to tell him get the hell away from the family. They're stupid shit. Bringing booze to my dad after I got him dried out. Him giving illicit drugs like that. Listen, trying a lot of different drugs. I didn't think you did. You're, you're educating me again, just like I didn't know that Alyssa brought those two guys in the house wherever I went to go to that school. Configurations provided for that. Kids do those I didn't know she drove the car across town. I didn't know that uh, the trampoline thing that you tell me so. And that just makes me a bad parent. But a murderer, no, honey. You're going to have to somehow resolve that in your own mind. Or meet you on your deathbed. That's, you it's just, that. it's just a saying, Sarah. I'm just saying, hang around and love you. If you think there's a hereafter and there's an answer, you'll get transferred in. I mean, this is just a short drop in the bucket, Sarah. Life is. You know, some people get good cards, other people don't get good cards. Obviously. I was a stupid man. I got myself involved, and I see you, and I get concerned. I mean, I can't tell you how much I sit back and wear it. I actually lost sleep over you telling me that you were going to turn that guy in for roughing up that kid. Because I was worried that you're going to go down the same stupid road. Because people don't give a shit, Sarah. Oh, yeah, you look great at the time. Integrity, yeah, you're strong. What a great person you are to stand up and tell the truth. Well, everybody else is it's not about the praise I get for it. It's about how I feel about myself inside. That's exactly why I did it. But yet people couldn't handle that. My wife. Well, then hopefully sister. I take those good parts of you. I'm not saying that every single time was bad and that you were a terrible, terrible parent because there were a lot of good times. We had a lot of fun. You taught me a lot of good traits. You and I, That's Alyssa why it's spent so confusing. A lot of time together alone. And, you know, I've gone through it myself, inch by inch by inch by inch. I kept thinking to myself, well, if I had the criminal mind that I'm really being accused of, the key question is why didn't I wait till after we got the settlement? You did. 
Sarah, that thing was settled for a minimum of $3,000. You know what they were offering? We were talking about me and the attorney, the pregnant lady was an attorney. No, whatever, I don't, you never- Why didn't I wait till we got the, it would have been anywhere between fifty and 60000 a piece for you guys' education, you and Alyssa's, because of what Deer Valley School District did. But you, you got that settlement when we were living in the second, the house on Villarita, the second Villarita. Because I, I remember that, that Christmas, because that's when you got all that money, you wouldn't tell me how much. You got that money a few days before Christmas. And then shortly after that, there were new vehicles and we weren't worrying about money anymore. That was Federal Workers' Comp. Okay, so that was the big settlement. Alyssa was still there. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And you were saying, why didn't you wait till after the settlement? I'm saying she was well, missing after the settlement. I'm talking about the, the, the lawsuit against Deer Valley School District because the key witness was your sister. Oh, okay. Without her as a key witness, it wasn't any kind of a case. Yeah, they, they violated your rights too, Sarah. Yeah, but you had a ton of lawsuits, so why care about that particular one? Just to be fair. Because I would have been custodial over anywhere between one hundred and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Then that might be enough money to consider killing a human being for, Sarah. Shit, that's a lot of money. Twelve hundred dollars. It's not that much money. And while your sister needed shit, she had whatever it was, whatever we had in our fund, eight, eight between eight and ten, uh, eight hundred thousand dollars. That's the first time I heard that was when you said that the other day. I thought she knew that we always did that. I don't remember. I remember there being coins, my but not that much money. My conservative, my one that shopped at Goodwill, we saved the money. When we saved bucks, we turned around and said, "Well, Dad, I can get this for this kind of money, like this." And we take the savings of that money and put it in our little jar over here for our little trips, whether it be Universal Studios, whether it be on the beach and those houses and stuff that we did that one time in, in San Diego. Whatever we wanted to do. We were learning to save. I was trying to teach you these things because I didn't, frankly, give a shit about anything, Sarah, except you two little girls. That's all I give a rat's ass about. That's all I was hanging on for. I'd even told myself the 28th of February, the day after Sarah moves out, I'm going to end this because I don't want to live with it anymore because I feel like I failed on everything. Why would I move out the 28th of February? No, I said that, that first 28th of February after you moved out. Oh. It's called insanity, Sarah. It's called trying to lie to yourself and give yourself a reason to keep going. You guys were it. You were the only reason I hung in there. And when that guy showed up at the house, when other things started going, I wrote letters. I went down and saw the people from the International, from the IBW, Sarah, and said, listen, I'm all screwed up. You guys have done a lot to me. We've done a lot back and forth. Can we just call this off? This came after that guy tried to break in the house. I don't know who he was. Okay, we don't know. But, but I tried to say, listen, can we just call this shit off? And you know what they told me, Sarah? You know what that son of a bitch stood across the table and told me? He said, you made your bed, now you live in it. So where's that recording? Phoenix PD has. Then, I can, then why don't we ask them to look for it? Go for it. There's a lot of recordings I have. With so the day that Alyssa was gone, did you think Paul Abbott took her? Was that your first thought? My first thought was that Paul Abbott was the one that convinced her to run away. So when you I recorded her, her when you recorded her missing, why didn't you say there's a male that's over 18 that has taken her? You knew that that would have triggered something different than my 17-year-old daughter left to know. I think she went to California to be with her aunts. I didn't know about Paul Abbott at that time. You so. just said that was your first thought. No, I didn't learn that until 
after Alyssa had actually called, and Chris is the one that told me about. It. I didn't even know what the guy's Chris name says was. Chris he never said that. Chris said he never said that. Yes. Did, did you get a copy of the letter that he wrote? No. About the guy that was uh, seeing Alyssa. No, I have to piece it together because I don't have anything because they took everything. Okay. So these aren't things I have Did access to, and it's not a theory I've had wrote? since the beginning. Yes, they have it. I don't have it. I have a copy. Chris is the one that told me about the guys that she was going off to see. Now, Chris had said something before that, and I didn't want to believe him, so what I did decide to do, Sarah, is I went out and sat outside the Jack in the Box to see if he was. Then I went and told that city cop. You do know there was a cop there that was set out, was at Jack in the Box when they started to close because of prior robberies, right? Well, I guess you didn't know about that. Who cares? Well, I went and talked to him. Then don't let your 17-year-old daughter close at the jacket. And I went and talked to him. We had a conversation, a fatherly type thing, and I said I could really use a favor to let you know something. My daughter has called me several times and said she was going to work an extra hour. And I'm, you know, somebody else blew the whistle on her. It wasn't that it was that woman that told me that she, she thought Alyssa was leaving with another male. And the first person I thought was that idiot John could have been doing that. But then most of the time his fucking truck was broke down. So, then I begin to get concerned and worried. Yes, was I going over and looking at us? I took pictures of different things and this and stuff and everything. And then the guys come to me and I said, how was Alyssa doing? Real good? She couldn't do the, whatever it is, counting out your tray or That's your That's not what the manager told the police. I don't give a shit what they told them. That's what they told me. Okay. Okay. So, here we go. Alyssa did not have a learning disability. That's what Anderson told me. He deemed she didn't have that. I said, oh, that's just amazing. All that testing they did, and they came back and said that she did. Wasn't Dr. Matson a part of that diagnosis? Nope. No. He had nothing to do with that. You guys had an opportunity to talk to him, and the primary reason he wanted to talk to you was to tell you how severe my mental illness was. No, and he said that we need to be nicer to you. We need to be just, what? We need to be nicer to you, just like Aunt Norma called us and said we need to be nicer to you. We're, we're not being good to you, and we need to be nicer to you. I was probably nine. I wasn't there when he I remember that. you guys had your private conversation with him. You didn't reveal to me what he said. I asked you. Yeah, because you and Dr. Matson had a totally professional relationship, right? Come on. Oh, well, you think we had some kind of a gay thing? No, I think you guys were friends, and I think that he blurred the lines of psychiatrist, and he wasn't really helping you like he yeah, should have been. You didn't know Matson very well. I think he was a wonderful guy. He was a great guy. I remember him uh, being amazing. He, he was a good doctor for about nine years, and he went to shit when he his started getting to him and bothering him. He was good. Is he still alive, by the way, or did he die? I, he's on Facebook. I tried to friend him. He won't friend me back, so I don't know. Last I heard, he was still alive. But, um, yeah, I'm just saying that you weren't actually getting the care you needed because he wasn't... No, the one that didn't He wasn't a legitimate me, doctor. Was, was, neither was Harrington. Harrington, Harrington was probably was, doped out of her mind half listening to when you. When I'd go and talk to Harrington and tell her I was having a bad day and this and that, she would double the dose of whatever I was taking. And then, of course, I made a deal with her, and I'm not really proud of that either. I was giving her whatever I didn't use in pain medication, Oxycontin, and working, giving it back to her. I believe it. Because she had a chronic pain situation, so. So how can you, like, you had no legitimate care. You think I had it in prison? No, of course you didn't have it in prison. I took it all on my own. I said, the hell with the wall. I'm not taking it anymore. Okay, but you haven't, I mean... You I'm haven't ever had that. The minimum so. dose right now of uh, 
because the court says I have to. And I can't get counseling started too well. I'm working on it. It's just going to take a while. They tried to test me the first time. My brain's pretty well scattered. So they said we're going to have to drop back and pump right again. Well, I hope you get the answers you're looking for, honey. I really do. You won't be the first. We won't be the last. You're the one that said the only person who knows what happened to Alyssa is you and Alyssa. That's basically true. So how am I supposed to ever get those answers? The only person that knows what happened to Alyssa? Well, uh, Alyssa knows what happened to Alyssa, that's for sure. Okay. As far as me knowing what happened to Alyssa exactly, I have my negatives and I have my positives. I have all kinds of things that go through my mind back and forth. Because I run back through the details over and over and over and over in my mind, the ones that I can remember. And from time to time, something else comes up. You guys say things to me every now and then. I say, really, let me think about that one for a while and go back and research. What I really need to get is the my mainframe, my hard drives from the, from the cops. They still have all the computers. Huh? Yes, they have all the computers. They have all the guns. They have everything. They have my laptop, my school computer. They have everything. They're, it's We're not getting those back. It's not happening. Not as long as this is an open case, which is going to be open to the end of fucking time. So... Well, I'll see what I'm going to do on that one yet. I haven't made up my mind. You know, I got to handle it one step at a time. I've had Social Security and I had her go around, so we got that stuff. Well, so, what do you think happened the day Alyssa left? What's your series of events? Because you never told me that you took her out of school that day. Next time on Voices for Justice. It's so funny because. The look on Alyssa's face, even that last day, didn't, I don't remember seeing fear in her face. I remember seeing defiance in her face. Well, you, you look very determined. That's good. I'd make a deal with him right now. I'll confess to anything you want. Hi, Sarah. This is Courtney. I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I heard about your podcast through TikTok and went to the podcast and immediately went to listen to it and binge the entire thing. Um, in under a week, I have a question for you. Um, I am a blogger and I try to use, I don't really like the term influencer, but I guess that's kind of accurate. I just know it has a negative connotation to it. Um, but I try to use my influence not just for blogging purposes, but also to share about um, community things going on and ways people can help. Um, so I just wanted to share a little bit about Alyssa's story. And I just wondered what you think the best way to share information 
about her is, whether it's to share um, specific podcast episodes or um, to tag you in some social media or share things on Facebook, that kind of thing. Um, so just wondered what your take on the best way to share information about her is. Um, I just wanted to say that I love what you're doing for your sister. Um, I saw that you commented that your dad is out and free. So, um, just wanted to say that I'm praying for your safety right now also, and also just hope that you eventually get some closure and find out the official hundred percent truth about what happened to your sister. Thank you. Hey, Courtney, and everyone that came from TikTok, oh my goodness. Um, I started a TikTok. It's under Sarah E. Turney. If you have not seen it yet, it's full of a bunch of kind of dark humor videos, if you will, um, trying to spread the word about Alyssa. But my goodness, I did not expect so many people to start listening to the podcast because of it. So um, before I answer your question, Courtney, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who is listening because of TikTok. It truly is a, a very cool medium that I never expected to bring so many people to Alyssa's case. Courtney, to answer your question, one of the coolest things about having so many different creators tell Alyssa's story is hearing their adaptation of it, hearing them retell it in their own words and emphasizing what they feel to be important. So I really pride myself on not trying to steer anyone in a direction about Alyssa's story. So, you know, if you want to put together a story about Alyssa, please feel free to research whatever resources you feel relevant. Of course, this podcast is based so much on Alyssa's case file. I mean, you've heard me read reports word for word over and over again um, just to that effect because I want it to be as truthful and accurate to the case file as humanly possible. Um, so, of course, yes, I think that this is a great resource for anyone to use for resources going forward. However, um, there's amazing podcasts out there and amazing resources. So feel free to use whatever you feel relevant and tell her story how you feel is effective. Like I said, that's one of the coolest things about it. Um, and in terms of helping Alyssa, it's very much just sharing her story. You know, until there is some type of legitimate conclusion to Alyssa's case or some type of legitimate closure, I will be on this mission to get media that the police sent me on in 2017. I, I cannot stop until there's some type of resolution for her. So with all that being said, use the resources that you feel appropriate and share whatever resources you find tell Alyssa's story best. It doesn't have to be my podcast. It doesn't have to be anything I've done. Feel free to share any resource that you feel is appropriate. And last, thank you, Courtney, for wanting to feature Alyssa's story. Although it does seem so large, there are still so many people that don't know her story or know her name. And every day, new people are brought to the podcast and her story. And that's exactly how we're going to get justice for Alyssa. Voices for Justice is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Sarah Turney. If you want to learn more about Alyssa's story and how you can help with the case, visit justiceforalyssa.com. And if you love the show, it would really help if you gave me a rating and review in your podcast player. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next time.